everybody. Welcome to the Salt Lake Tribune Sports Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Raskin. Tonight, we've got a good friend of the show, Chris Kamrani. I'm here. Kyle Goon. Hello. And Kevin Winter-Morris. Always a pleasure, Benny. Yeah, it's a pleasure to see you. You just got back from a trip from Chicago. How was the uh, the Cubbies? Absolutely fantastic. Saw him get routed 11-4. to four. <laughs> but, but did uh, Anthony Rizzo hit a home run? Rizzo didn't play. Castro didn't play. Jorge Soler didn't play. But other than that, it was a great day. Amen. Man, I feel you. My Orioles this year. Oh. oh. <laughs> Never mind. Never have liked you, Kyle Goon. Uh, Padre. Sorry, just have it. No, it's definitely beers and brats up in the uh, second city. But we're glad to have you here today. Uh, while you were watching some uh, baseball this weekend, obviously the first week of the NFL kicked off. And uh, nice to have football back as a distraction to keep us away from our spouses and uh, family and friends. Uh, Fantasy football is always fun to play, and uh, it's good to have that out here. But before we get into the fun of it, let's talk about a little more serious. Uh, the NFL, with uh, the Ray Rice attack, have gone from a two-game suspension to an indefinite suspension, uh, with more video footage being released from the casino. Um, obviously, this is disturbing to watch in so many different ways, but do you think, Chris, that they might have waited too long to – do you think they acted appropriately to begin with, or – should it have been an immediate? Putting me on the spot, like, the, like the, spot. the NFL beat reporter that yeah, I am. Chris, be the moral arbiter. For no, you're, you're actually good at these uh, things. You're good at kind of setting the table for it, but what do you think? Well, I was having a conversation with someone today. On the, on the whole, I think we need to stop making sports as some sort of – you can't make parallels with life and sports. Too. So often we're trying to live – our lives through these people who supposedly matter. Mm. They don't. Obviously, Ray Rice should have been kicked out, arrested, and should be obviously on trial now um, for video evidence of domestic violence because I think if it's almost anyone else, um, they would probably be needing a lawyer at this point. And not that Ray Rice doesn't have one, but probably needing a lawyer knowing that they're going to trial to maybe go to prison for assault yeah so no the nfl didn't act appropriately obviously the nfl knew and obviously covered it up and that we're going to hear more about that in the coming weeks but um i hate to say i'm not surprised anymore but i'm not the thing that surprised me is that you were good enough to invite me to one of your fantasy football leagues i'm you you're know, welcome yeah, go go super pals but thanks for the invite yeah. No, real cool. Mine must have gotten caught in the spam filter as well, Kyle. You know, I guess we don't get all staff emails. <laughs> I guess not. But I don't. I haven't played. I haven't played fantasy football in. It, it has to have been almost six, seven years. And so as I was going through the different players today, it was an auto draft that got me there. I was looking at Ray Rice. Like Ray Rice is owned by ninety nine percent of all fantasy football players in the United States. You know, and with almost seventy million players, you know, yeah. that's like sixty seven million people could see past that pretty quickly because they know there's some on field production that could actually help them win their teams you know i mean i don't know that was the number that i kept yeah. coming back to you and it kind of no it's 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 astounding but like i said nothing surprises me anymore to, i mean it's kyle goon we should be asking let's be totally honest we should be asking the lifelong ravens fan about this because he is you know kind of indebted to that franchise for a couple super bowl victories and Ray Rice was part of the most well, recent indebted one. Indebted is a really interesting yeah. word. You're welcome. But I mean, you know, but it, 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 is, it is one of your teams. And so, I mean, how does it feel for you? You know, it, it just, it's got to suck across the board, you know, and it, it sucks and to use that word kind of for pulling it out. But, I mean, you know, uh, roll your eyes. It's, uh, 
you know, it's a franchise style player, and it's like, uh, I mean, what are your th- what were your thinking when you saw the video and everything that went down with this? I think I think Ravens fans and NFL fans uh, should should ask for more from this franchise in this league. I think you look at the original video, which was Ray Rice dragging his fiance out of an elevator unconscious. And I think we all made a pretty good determination of what happened in that elevator. So if you watch the new video, the, that, that video is certainly shocking in its brutality and, and, and you know how he kind of dragged her out of the elevator. Um, but at the same time, it's, is it really much more information than what we were working off of before? Even if the NFL, as it, claim, it claims that it didn't see the video now, and it just came to light yesterday, even if that's true, let's just say somehow their investigation of the incident was so incompetent that they were unable to locate the video and watch it. How on earth does that change your perception so greatly that you go from issuing a two-game suspension to cutting a guy from the team and, and, uh, and suspending him indefinitely from the league? I think it shows that the NFL it prefers to kind of do things their own way in private and hope they blow over. I think that the NFL was forced to make a more steep punishment, and that's why they didn't did it. Not because they have any values or moral sense that that had them kind of make that determination originally, because they should have. They should have made that determination originally. It doesn't matter how many touchdowns he scores. Doesn't matter how far he runs. If if they were so appalled, and they knew that people would be appalled. They knew it was wrong. They should have done the right thing from the beginning. But I think it shows you that Roger Goodell on down into the Ravens organization, they don't care for what they claim they care care for. They don't care about those values. They don't. They're not going to uphold them. And there's other guys in the NFL this weekend accused of domestic violence and sexual assault, some of them who have pled guilty to domestic violence, who are playing on Sunday in the first game games of the year. So I think it's kind of just a really big shot against the NFL as a whole. It feels dirty. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know if it's always been this way. I'm. I'm a younger guy. I've followed the NFL since you know the late '80s, but I don't remember it being this prevalent. I mean, I'm a. I was. Born and raised in the Bay Area, I'm a San Francisco Niners fan. Ray McDonald got arrested for allegedly beating his pregnant fiance. He was on the field Sunday, and it felt weird. Yeah. It felt weird. And going back to what Kyle was saying, the owner—I I think it starts with Goodell, but you also look at the owners who aren't coming out and saying anything. They made John Harbaugh address this yesterday, Absolutely. and it was—and yeah, it was do. so awkward because obviously. Harbaugh's job is is to win football games and prepare for the next week. The head coach's job only goes so far. Ozzie Newsom, the GM, and the and the Ravens ownership needed to come out with Harbaugh or not even put Harbaugh on the stand yesterday. They should have come out and said, we made a mistake. We didn't do a good enough job the first time. This is on us, but they didn't. And going back to what Kyle was saying, the NFL doesn't care. The NFL needed a leak from TMZ of all places. TMZ Sports. Yeah, TMZ we're Sports. Making, we're making TMZ our ethical arbiter. Here. If TMZ, TMZ is the reason why Ray Rice is no longer a football player in the National Football League, that's what Mike, Mike Weiss from the Washington Post tweeted that yesterday. It's ludicrous. It's, it's not, true. It's, 
the fact that TMZ's hard. I mean, you can I mean, some people don't say they're legitimate journalistic entity, but clearly they're doing a better job investigating something this serious than the, than the NFL did. And without that leak, without that video, I would imagine Ray Rice probably plays in week three or maybe week four. Yeah. Well, let's move on to happier topics here for our Utah listeners. Uh, Kyle, you're at the game against Utah and Fresno State, the 59-27 drubbing of them. Uh, with the bye week that we have right now, what are the youths going to need to do to get ready for Michigan? Well, uh, you know, right now the, the biggest thing they can do is more of the same. Um, they've scored 115 points in the first two games of the season. One of them was against Idaho State, uh, you know, who you should beat and you should score 50 on. But Fresno State, Mountain West champion last year, um, they're obviously missing some pieces from last year, but still a much more competitive team. I mean, beating those guys 59 to 27, I think says a lot about the Utes, their focus, their new offense. And, you know, they started with five straight three and outs. So that kind of showed what they can do defensively when they come out pretty determined. Um, if you want to look at areas they can clean up, um, you know, the secondary look. The secondary had some problems. Um, you know, when Fresno State put in a new quarterback, Brandon Kinnett, he was able – he had some guys downfield at times, and you could see him try to hit those guys who didn't always get them. Um, but there were definitely holes, especially if you look in the middle, downfield in the defense. It shouldn't happen. They do have some young corners and, and, and newer safeties. Tevin Carter's our first-time starter. Brian Blecken is, is in his first year back after missing a whole year. And some, some of their corners have uh, been new guys. But, you know, they got to figure out a way to probably shore down um, that, that secondary in the middle of the field, downfield, because they did get hit a little bit. Um, they did a much better job on run defense this week, though. And uh, Nate Orchard's kind of the leader there. But they have some guys who can really get to the backfield, really penetrate. And that's a good sign um, when you're two weeks out from Michigan. Obviously, when they're playing in the Pac-12, this is a out-of-conference game. They're going to Ann Arbor for it. I mean, is there excitement about traveling halfway across the country, uh, playing in a, a, a pretty renowned stadium, uh, or is it just another game for them? Um, I mean, I think you have to kind of look at it as a very unique opportunity. I mean, you know, it's a Big Ten team. It's really the Big Ten team in, in some respects because um, Michigan has the most FBS wins of all time. That's the biggest stadium in college football um, at the big house. And some of those guys, uh, we were talking to defensive tackle Clint Shepard yesterday. He said he grew up a Michigan fan and has really, you know, always dreamed about playing in that stadium, going out to the Maize and Blue, hearing the fight song. And that's definitely going to be a different experience for some of these guys. Um, you know, they have been to some, some really great environments in the Pac-12, um, but Michigan is, is – uh, you know, kind of a, an entity unto itself, I would say. It's, it's a really interesting place to play. I mean, you'd probably put it alongside, you know, the Notre Dames of the world, the Ohio States of the world, uh, as just those, those historic programs that also just have these venues to match, just yeah. that sort of cathedral-like. And, and a coach on a hot seat that and dude he can't even he can't even sit down right now <laughs> brady hoke can feel it every time he just you know, ooh, ouch it's hot <laughs> hope don't choke you excited about going out there uh, to cover a game like this oh you kidding me i i basically traded away all my uh, other rights to other road games so to matthew piper so i could i could go watch this game in the big house so i'm i'm really excited 
You know, especially, especially since my alma mater, Maryland, is now in the Big Ten. You know, I really need to start scouting out some of those locations, what it's going to be like, and, and send reports back to Randy Edsel. Um, no, but seriously, I'm excited in, in the same way a lot of the players are excited. And, and really, I think it's going to be a really cool experience and, uh, of seeing that game day and seeing, you know, tailgaters park, you know, six or seven miles out and walk into the game. It is. Pr- I, I've I've been to a game there, so it, so it is. Oh, it it is crazy. I mean, I don't have much to compare it to, but like Kyle like was saying, like you literally or? have. Well, no, it's just, and I'm sure it's this way a lot of places, but you probably have to park a mile and a half away, and then walk because there's just no parking. Like streets are closed off, cars are parked on lawns. Like it's, I mean, when it's a college town like that, it shuts down. Like. Like Eugene we're, on we're talking, yeah, yeah. We're talking uh, yeah. about 110,000 people. Yeah. That's insane. Are you excited to see uh, Brian Monet? Yeah, yeah, man. I uh, um, wrote that story about him last year, about him and his brother. Um, and, uh, you know. Has he, he seen time? Um, I haven't. I actually haven't checked that yet. I oh, here. I, I got it. Three tackles, again, three tackles against Notre Dame in a 37-0 loss, so. It's well, t- maybe so it would have been 44 to no, 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 nothing no. had enough been for O'Brien. Well, I'm just saying it's rare to have a, a a kid, a prep kid from Utah playing at Michigan when Michigan is playing Utah, you know, where he grew up. As a true, fre- well, as I mean, a true as freshman. As a freshman. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because I asked uh, Kyle Whittingham yesterday and kind of gave a little generic answer um, about going head-to-head with Michigan since Brady Hoke has made it such a priority to, to get some of those kids out of Utah. Yeah. And I think, you know, Witt Whit didn't exactly go there, but I think it's a good chance for – well. They could end Brady Hoke's job at, at Michigan. Um, but it's a good chance, you know, if the next Michigan coach is going to recruit Utah, which is a pro- probability at this point, the way Utah is being recruited. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a good chance for Utah to be like, hey, here's our head-to-head results with Michigan. We, we blew them out of the water last year. Talk more about pro- recruiting here in Utah at the prep side. You know, like, why is it just because the players have gotten better or is it more established programs or is it we, we live in such a small world that, co- you know, coaches – can recruit from out of areas and out of regions. I think, quickly speaking on this, it's it's a combination. It's there's an understanding that players are really well coached here, and a lot of them go on to um, contribute early. Um, there are better athletes, um, I think, than there were maybe 30 years ago, and guys can reasonably expect to be able to look at a couple D1 prospects if they make a trip out here. And then, of course, the world being smaller, there's just so many recruiting sites and, and just a push for video. information. Fans go crazy over it. So all, all three. Yeah. All three. All three? All three. It's all three. One, two, One, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah. With what, uh, even with like Bingham going down to play Bishop Gorman in uh, Las Vegas, yeah. you know, just stuff like that gives more coverage. And yeah. Well, and, and it, I mean, Bingham goes to Valor Christian last year, beats him on the road takes Bishop Gorman to to OT. Yeah, Bingham only lost in overtime. Yeah, by a field goal, yeah. Yeah, by a field goal. So, I mean, yeah, it's – I mean, this is a conversation we've had over the last few years here is that the the level of talent is rising, and with that – and I think you can maybe go back – you can go back to Ron McBride, but I think really you go back to the Urban Meyer era of guys who are here and have since left but still keep tabs. I mean, Dan Mullen – who now also has Brian Johnson at Mississippi State. And you have, you know, Gary Anderson at Wisconsin, who has a bunch of uh, coaches from Utah and Utah State, and they're recruiting the state really hard now. 
so it i mean it's uh, it's a broken record but utah is really no longer a secret in terms of football talent at the prep level did you get a chance to uh ck did you get a chance to watch any of the byu uh, beating texas i didn't i was at the real salt lake game but i did see uh Taysom hills leap over uh defender it's just like last year it seemed like he was able to it's weird like I mean, it, uh, people have gave Taysom Hill a lot of guff, but I feel like he, the dude's pretty good. I mean, like, he was being recruited by Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. I mean, he was a commit before Harbaugh left to the Niners, so he was clearly good enough to go to Stanford and be in the conversation there when Stanford started turning things around. He's and a it, really impressive runner. Yeah, I, I'm with you, but I, but I think if I think if he's in a school that has premier talent on the outside, I mean, if, if Taysom Hill had – I mean, look, even up the road, if ten, if Taysom Hill had Kenneth Scott and Drez Anderson, I mean, would would it be a different? He had would Cody be, Hoffman last year, and Cody Hoffman's a pretty good pass catcher. Yeah, but Taysom he, Hill had a five-star recruit. Oh, wait, Ross Apo. Oh, right. Yeah, forgot about that. But I'm I'm just saying I think I think I I, I think Taysom Hill's gonna be a dude that gets drafted or at least I, gets a or at least gets a shot in the NFL. Utah the, fans are gonna hate me for this, but I agree. I think he's. He's a really impressive athlete and, and has been. He's a the best athlete on the field against Texas at Texas. Granted, it's a it's a gutted down Texas since Charlie Strong has kind of cleaned house a little bit, but to go to Texas and win forty to seven, I think was the final score. Forty one seven. That's insane, especially considering what happened last year because the overplayed you know, the media angle of revenge against BYU after they ran for 550 yards against us and literally forced our defensive coordinator to be fired. He was fired the next day because of how bad they were against BYU. For BYU to go down there and do that, I don't care who's missing against Texas. That is the most impressive victory, I think, non-conference victory in the Bronco Mendenhall era because – I don't. I mean, even if David Ash is starting, I don't think maybe maybe it's more of a game. But BYU's defense, from what I saw in the highlight on the highlights, they were more than up to the task, and Texas couldn't do anything. And more than more than anything, it's like last year they couldn't stop Taysom Hill from doing basically what he did last year. I mean, once Taysom Hill got into the open field, it looked like dudes were just were just chasing him. No one was ahead of him. He was just he hit the next level, and guys were just not close to him yeah BYU rushed for 248 yards and against Texas this year so that's running that's, all over him last that's year. almost 800 yards of can rushing fire, in two games yeah can they fire the players <laughs> I don't know and and you, I, Chris you bring up a good point that Texas is down I mean it, you, you have to acknowledge that it isn't the Texas of Vince Young playing for the national championship but it's still Texas and you're absolutely right Chris to go down and beat them at their place to beat with, them like that yeah to to own them yeah. Essentially, to own them, that it, it, I agree, it's a so, really impressive. So win. now I look at it like BYU conceivably should run the table. I was looking at their schedule. I mean, I know we might be overreacting to two games, Who but else do they have on the schedule. They have Houston at home, who lost to UT Sandy, San Antonio in the Ooh. first week. They have Virginia at home, who played UCLA really well in the first week, but lost. Then they have, I think they're at Boise State. I think they're. No, they've got. Uh, then they. Well, they have the, they, the next three. The next three are all improbable because then they have Utah State. Yeah. Then they go to Central Florida. Then they host Nevada. Nevada. It's pronounced Nevada. It's not Nevada. It's Nevada. Potato, potato. Go to Boise. Go to Middle Tennessee. Host UNLV. Host Savannah State. 
go to, to California. So They're Utah like, State, Utah State, Central Florida, and Cal. Those are the three teams that I think could could beat BYU. Play it, play oh, it. I, think, I, I think Boise State. Boise State too. Yeah. yeah, sorry, I forgot Boise State. But those are all teams conceivably that BYU could and should Utah should State beat. Looks pretty down. Yeah, I mean, with with we don't know how Chucky's looking. Their their defense is looking a little suspect after losing all that talent from last year. I mean, if BYU runs the table. No, and I don't, I don't even. Edwards. I don't even I mean, want to start you've it. Got that. I don't even want to start well, the playoff. Yeah. The playoff talk, but I'm this. Not gonna go there. But I mean, I don't know if you want to say BYU has turned toward you know maybe being a powerhouse and an independent powerhouse, but I mean it, it's a it's a it's kind of a low schedule. It's not what they've played the last few years, but the fact that they could or should go twelve and zero says a lot about the team this year, and I think. I don't know. I, I I didn't expect Taysom Hill to have this good of a start, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, it's it's tough to go Barring undefeated. Injuries, you think they're going to go real far this year? I think so. I th- I think there's no reason why they shouldn't win ten or eleven games. I I would like to see them play in a in a rough and tumble game. Yeah. Uh, well, he, here's the thing. It's I like it there. seems like BYU and Utah are finally finally looking good. strong, Both and they're the, not playing the each other, and they're not, not playing each game. other. Which I got hammered about for bringing up on Sunday, because by whom? By the Twitter I, I, sphere. Well, I had to say the Twitter sphere. Utah, Utah fans, because most of my followers are Utah fans. But uh, yeah, fan, fans on both sides. They. What uh, were some of the uh, what were some of the criticisms or what were the, well, the attacks against? Okay, you? so I see. I saw some people picking on Matt Piper on Twitter. Um, they always do that. Defense. Are you gonna let me tell the story? It better be a good one with that kind of attitude. I saw some people picking on Matt Piper because he was getting himself involved, which probably shouldn't have, in a debate on who would win, Fresno State or Texas, which I think we can all agree is a pretty silly debate. Do not ever play with hypotheticals, man. But it's like the point I tried to make was if BYU and Utah were playing each other, these debates wouldn't even happen because they'd just be playing each other, and we know who's better. And I don't know. I, I, I can't even really get to the bottom of that because people, I guess, are just so hurt and, and bitter over the years on both sides. It just And Utah fans, I don't know exactly why they feel this way, but they feel like their four-game winning streak over BYU hasn't been properly acknowledged. Um and Chris is snickering, but he's also a Utah alum, so. But I don't care. But but it's That's, just no. I, I don't. No, know. I'm with I, you. I'm I, not I, sure I, I understand that logic because I feel like the deal is if you win, you've won. Yeah. You're the you're the top dog that the, for the rest of the year. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like the loser has to get down on their knees and be like, I am not worthy to even look you in the eye. It's you just won. You won. That's the whole point. That's the fun. So, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, we talked about this last week too. It's like you were talking about how the, we need to get the governor involved on this or the state legislature. Well, no, I didn't. I think was it that that was that? that was a hypothetical well, pitch by by, and, by Piper. And and some people, you know, are are going to say from the Utah side, um, you know, I don't I don't see why we need to play them every year. Uh, well, sort of the the response to that I would bring is, well, would you rather? play Fresno State because that was kind of the swap out that they had they, they swapped out BYU looking for you know a non-conference opponent and they put in Fresno State and you know there's no like there's no 
you know, subplots there. I mean, Dave Schramm was the strongest subplot we had. And Josh Kazada, who's only relevant because he used to play at BYU. It's just... You know, but the thing about you, like, you're driving on I-15 heading home or whatnot, and you could easily pass as many of the must-use on the back of somebody's car as BYU-wise. You know, it's like the, the town... This, even in Salt Lake, there's such a passion before you with the Cougars or with the Utes. And, you know, as a, as a casual fan of the two teams, it's like, I want to see it. I want to see, I like this holy war. It's literally know? the only interesting thing that happens in this state once a year. And it's, that's not here. Sports-wise. I mean, now that the Jazz aren't good. No, no. But no, no, no. I'm talking about in terms of rivalries. In terms of rivalries, it's the only interesting thing that happens. I don't think there's any – there's nothing even compares to it. And it's also one of those things where friends from back college and home and stuff like that, they always want to know, like, who's yeah. going to win this year? Yeah. What's, this, what's, yeah. the, what's the tenor of the town is what more is. When, yeah. When they're playing it, when they were doing the hosting the game up at Rice Eccles, I mean, you could feel – It's palpable. Presence. Yeah, no. and but, but it's like what we were saying last week. It used to be palpable because there was something on the line. When you're a conference opponent and you play each other the last game of every year, yeah. then it's just totally ratcheted up. But but now it's like they're not playing, but still, you know, the, you play them in week three, and you you build this you build this moment, and all of a sudden it's like oh we won or lost, but now the quote unquote real games start for Utah in a conference, and they have to go at UCLA or USC or Oregon, and you have to maybe deal with an emotional letdown the, the following week. So eh, it's just interesting, Utah yeah, BYU. I, I, I mean I don't know I. I feel like, and, and Matt, I guess, brought this up in the podcast last week, I feel like one of the reasons people say, pe- people, people want the rivalry. People want the game to be played. No, they totally people, say, people say they don't want the rivalry and they don't want the game to be played because of this perception, I think, on both sides that su- such fan base thinks that they're better than our fan base. And it's just like... Isn't that the heart of all great rivalries, though? Is yeah. It, I mean, I, is it... USC thinking they're superior to UCLA, Army thinking they're better than Navy. It's like yeah. I, I mean, when when I went to Maryland, like there's not real. It doesn't really get more that way than facing Duke, because because mm. we, we at Maryland we kind of have the opinion that that Duke students think they're so great. They have Cameron Indoor, Indoor which holds all of ten thousand people. By the way, ten thousand only one thousand so students show so up. So rude. And they can't Such have stupid a joke. tents. They're so smart, they can't figure out a better system than Camp Intense. And it's just, you know, I I don't know. I I feel like that is the nature of rivalries. But I never said when I was at Maryland, I hate the Duke rivalry. I did not like Duke, but I did love the rivalry. What you need is a game that gets the casual fan, the the somebody. uh, Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, my neighbor who doesn't give two squats about football, or certainly not college football, you want him to be going like, I'm breaking out my Ute gear because they're playing a team from down south. Well, going to be yeah. Well, not even that. Like, let's say you invite them over. I think they would be more more apt to be like, yeah, I'll invite, I'll I'll, I'll accept yeah. that invite Benny to watch Utah BYU, not watch Utah play Fresno State, State or BYU play Central Florida. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't think there's any of that visceral connection. That's what I, I mean. That's what you want most in these sports. If not, it's kind of like what you're saying last week. It's just a distraction then. Yeah, you know, I, we're just basically grinding through games to see who's going to win a conference champion, then maybe see who's going to go to the playoffs or what yeah. bowl game selections you're going to have. Yeah. Well, speaking of a bowl game that should be, uh, let's talk about the biggest loser 
That was not That's that me. At yeah. all. That's me. Speaking of a bowl of ice cream, where are you going with this, Benny? Where's the I'm truth? the I'm the biggest loser in the room. So let's we can start with me and then we can not transition from there. So, uh, uh, so uh, Kyle, talk to us about the story you wrote about Scott Mitchell and uh, participating in the Biggest Loser. Yeah, so I talked to Scott Scott today, and, and and just about, you know, he can't really talk about his his weight loss that he's had or or how far he's gotten on the show because it premieres tonight. Um, but he has been in production for a while. Presumably, um, he's made it past the first couple of rounds. Yeah, and and you know he did indicate surprise he has lost weight, of some amount. Uh, don't don't know. Tune into NBC on Thursday and on <laughs> prime time and find out. No, um, but you know what? The interesting thing about Scott is it just it well, just tell, well back up and tells everyone who Scott is. Okay, so Scott Mitchell is if you don't know is uh, a Utah a former Utah quarterback played in the NFL for twelve seasons. He holds most relevant Utah passing records, including passing yards and passing touchdowns, um, pass attempts. Uh, he was. He really benefited from the uh, quarterback-friendly system of the Jim Fossil era at Utah. So he's he's one of the uh, best best quarterbacks to ever come out of Utah, um, and he is now balloon. He well at the start of the show he had ballooned up to 366 pounds, and you know when you're an ex-athlete and, and Scott's a big guy, he's six six. And he's always been a big guy, but when you're an ex-athlete, sometimes you kind of let things go. You don't lose those training habits. You don't have that support. And you know, pretty soon he was over 300 pounds, kind of. And he said, kind of threw in the towel. So uh, it, it was just kind of interesting to hear kind of how someone declines, but also how he turns it around. He said he was really inspired to to do the show because he saw his dad, Bill. Um, kind of die slowly from his uh, problems related to obesity, um, which you know include diabetes. Uh, I think he had a limb amputated. Um, you know, s- had gangrene in the hospital. I mean, just horrible stuff. Dear Lord. So you know, he he kind of said, I looked at this and I saw my future, and I knew if I stayed this way, I was going to die. And I, I decided then, when when they asked me to come on the show, I decided. Hey, I'm not gonna die. I'm gonna fight this. I'm gonna get the help I need, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna do this. So very, very interesting to hear from Scott on that. How old is he now? He's 46, and he has five kids. So that's another big reason, I think, why he thought he should at least try and lose some weight and do the show. So that just that show is it's it seems like you if you know for a chubby guy like myself it'd be a dream to go on there because basically you work out for eight hours. They want they monitor your food. It gets you kind of set on the right path where your job becomes to work out and lose weight and, you know, to kind of both compete as well as participate this on and stuff like that. Did he give you any idea of any of the exercises or things they did, or was it just basically the golden rule of weight loss, like eat less, work out more? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. But, I mean, the thing he did tell talk about the most was just the changing the changes in his eating habits. Um you know, he said to me, I have a, I now have a caloric budget of 1800 calories and I used to eat 1600 for breakfast. Like I, I used to get Man, that's almost my good. whole daily intake for breakfast. And that, and he just kind of learned, I can't do that. There's, there, there's other ways I can eat and eat well and still be, be healthy. He's learning new ways to cook. He's learning to cook. I mean, he, I guess, so you can throw all these touchdown passes, but he doesn't know how to use a skillet. Yeah, yeah, 
But that, but that isn't that the athlete life though? Isn't that the athlete lifestyle? Like a lot of the, these guys, um, you know, get get some things catered to, and after you know they're done their careers, they have to learn things. I mean, when Derek Favors got to Utah in the Jazz, he opened the cabinets to his new apartment and was surprised there wasn't food there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's like that's kind of something that. Um, you know, we it's all ingrained. struggle with, but athletes do deal with it, and they do deal with it at a later age, yeah. is what I would say. So, you know, and the other thing Scott talked about is just sort of how he regularized how his eating was tied to his emotions and and how, you know, a lot of times when he was getting into negative thinking, he would just be like, okay, I'm going to eat this now. I'm going to have a snack. We're going to do X, Y, Z. And he, he's it really seems like his experience on the show so far has been therapeutic as much as it's been like, do this, do that. It's been him trying to figure out, you know, why he should do these things. What's his motivation? And, and his motivation is because he has a family, because he wants to live longer, uh, he wants to be happier. No. <laughs> he, he wants to keep his foot. Yeah. But, I mean, reasonably, though. Yeah, but That's I mean, legit. Whatever motivates you. What's your highest caloric uh, emotional eating uh, binge? What oh, gosh. I don't even know what a calorie is. I mean, what is a calorie? It's just this like it's just like this thing. Benny, in the it's not real. The temperature it takes to raise a glass of and one ounce of water up one degree. That's a calorie. In the the recent recent knowledge bomb dropped. Eaten an entire DiGiorno pizza by myself. Oh, that's that's breakfast right there. Only calorie. Did did you wash it down with a pint of Ben and Jerry's? If not, you're out of the conversation. I'm out of conversation. You're out of the conversation. All right, Benny, you want to go ahead ahead on this? I don't think so. I polished off the on the Friday after Thanksgiving every leftover. <laughs> well, I mean, even chains of cranberry that had not even been opened. If we aren't counting pies by pie. the pie plate, <laughs> if you're only counting it by slice, go home now. I've, I've done Stone Ground since Sunday at least a half dozen times. Oh, that's that's a, that's a guilty pleasure. Um, so well, good on Scott Mitchell for doing that. You know, it's uh, always good to kind of recognize we have a problem there. And also with these athletes, I see I saw it a lot in rugby is that guys that got done with doing really kind of big competitive stuff is the second they kind of started settling into their career and walking away from it, every one of them thought they could still drink and eat like they were still doing the rugby practices. Then you know it just it just takes a toll on them. You know, they all get the belly that I'm sporting right now. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was I re- gonna say maybe the difference between. You and me and Scott is that uh, you and I don't really want to go on national TV and show everyone Benny might. our weight loss, or maybe Benny does. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I that, Benny, that's Benny's a good personality. Benny could hit. I'd like to. I'd I'm like not. to sit on the scale and see how I stand. You know, I like keeping track of numbers. Mm-hmm. We should do. We should talk about which reality show each of us would be best on. I wish I could say Broken Skull, but it's not that at all. Steve, I watched the, the... No, no, don't start this, because okay. we're going to go down that road. We're going to go down that road, although I did watch a little Raw last night in the Bella Sisters. <laughs> that storyline is fantastic. Uh, well, it wouldn't be the voice, because I, I have a nasally voice, and I can't pronounce anything nor sing any lyrics. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not good at I'm not good at anything. I'm out for the voice. I can't sing at all. Yeah. Any of the singing ones, I'm done. I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, Discovery Channel. Yukon Man, I'd be eaten by a wolf, like, right away. I'm pretty Ooh. sure. I know what we could do for Kyle. The, the, uh, na- uh, the Naked Dating. Gosh, naked and Afraid? That joke. <laughs> naked and Afraid? No, dating no, Naked. Dating Naked. I don't know. It's uh, a show on VH1 now. 
You get VH1? I don't watch it. I just You're know rich, it man. Someone's holding out. This guy's got VH1. He's not even inviting us to watch behind the music. Or naked dating man. or dancing. Yeah. Uh, Ice Road Truckers looks like it'd be a good one. Okay. Oh, I'd, I'd be up for that. And, uh, you sit on your rump all day and hope that you don't fall through fall the ice. Through six yeah. feet of ice. Uh, was, was it Dangerous Catch? Deadliest Catch? Deadliest Catch. Uh, you know, I'd, I want to My dream job over. is to be the cameraman for Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown. That would uh, talk about that. Just do that. Talk about a dream of rest of my there. life. Want to see what like uh, what pud Thai tastes like in Thailand? So so long, Tribune. See you later. I'm I'm gonna be a cameraman for Anthony Bourdain. That's what I'm holding out for. <sighs> Definitely after this podcast, uh, this is gonna be the best audition tape for that. <laughs> <laughs> CK, what, do you th- what about you? What would be your reality show that you'd go in with at least a decent chance of winning? I don't watch reality TV. I don't either. I, I've been, f- not forced, but lately I've been watching MasterChef. But the cooking shows have long They've jumped run, the their, run their, run they their course for me. Um, I don't know. I'm not good at anything. So I, maybe I'd want to test. Some, I mean, maybe I'd want to be that guy who goes like to try to survive somewhere and ends up being lost forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like the guy, he got dropped into the Andes in Argentina, and oh, like the, the bear, was bear Browls guy. I don't know. Bear oh, Grylls. Bear Grylls. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that. Maybe to see how long it, it takes for me to to get you know frostbite or, or just pass out from severe dehydration or. There, there was a show. Um, I've watched it on Netflix. Some it was about bush pilots up in Alaska. Where they'd fly into these different places, I, I might, I might give that a shot. You know, be a bush pilot up in up in Alaska. I'll tell you what, I'll fly it and you drive it. Penny. I'll drive it back. All right, cool. You can do that. Yeah, and you can be Why the one who drives it. I want to do the dangerous shows. I just want to go eat pho in Vietnam with Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> oh yeah, there's nothing do. dangerous about what he does. I'd like to see how much I would struggle on American Ninja. I'd like to see if I could uh, get past the first. American obstacle. Ninja. Would be I'd like to see know, if I could ooh. get past the first five minutes without dying. You know what I would like? What was the one that the, they did with the former athletes oh, that Shaq did? No, no, no. Well, okay, okay. That's it. There, there the, it is. That's it. American Gladiator the from the nineties. Yeah, yep. and and the giant Nerf gun. But what was the one where they had like Shaq and some of the older on pros versus shows. yeah yeah pros that one that one pros versus, pros versus Joe. yeah that that one I would like to try just because I would try to do my crossover on Shaq. It'd be nice to meet Frank Thomas. And, yeah, without uh, a doubt. See what Roger Clemens. Shaq would absolutely hurt you. I watched one you. episode of that show watching Charles Oakley just block the crap out of like Charles Oakley six man dudes, probably throwing awesome. elbows probably it's throwing amazing. elbows into guys' heads. All right, well, we're wrapping this up here. CK, we're not talking into Real, but what's uh, your schedule looking like for soccer for the next week here in Utah? Oh, um, what should our listeners be looking for? Um, um, lots of lots of stories, just lots of words. You got women's national team. You got Real Salt Lake plays at Seattle on Friday, which is probably the biggest game of the regular season. The rest of the way, there's only seven games left. Seattle's the best team in the league. RSL's trying to climb the climb the ladder. And then Saturday, I come back and cover the U.S. women's national team. Uh, they're friendly against rival Mexico as they prepare for World Cup qualifying in two or three weeks. So lots of lots of kicking stuff, lots of balls getting kicked, and and people, you know, running, running, <laughs> and then just maybe trying to kick it in the back of the You're back of the week, so maybe some yelling, maybe some yelling. So Kyle Goon, you'll be packing your bags for Ann Arbor, and uh, Kevin Winter Morris. He's What's on you? he's on assignment. You're on a, he's on permanent assignment. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, the pasture. Got nothing. 
Maybe a, maybe a high school game this week. We'll see. I think we should. We'll good, see. It was a good Duchesne story you had. Yeah, thanks. Then they lost again. Yeah, yeah well, you know. I at, had least you were th- at least you were there for the first, not right. the second. Right, right, right. Because that would have been just awkward. Good call. Yes. It would have been like, so you, y'all. Okay, that was actually done. really good planning. Yeah, you part. are, Chris. You're done. done. I need to go eat some lunch. All right, well, for this week, uh, September 9th, 2014, oh. from the summer floor of the Salt Lake Tribune offices, it's been Ben Raskin for Kevin Winter-Morris. Chris Camarani and Kyle Goon, thanks for listening.